Welcome to True Crime and Horror, the podcast that delves into the darkest and most chilling stories from the world of crime and horror. Join us as we explore the fascinating and often terrifying world of true crime and horror. From notorious serial killers and unsolved mysteries to spine-tingling ghost stories and haunted houses. Our expert hosts will guide you through the most gripping cases and terrifying tales, providing insight, analysis, and plenty of scares along the way. If you're a fan of true crime and horror, this is the podcast for you. So lock the doors, turn off the lights. I want to start off with saying things are not always as they appear. Oh my goodness, what an incredible mother this is, taking on this challenge of raising a, a child with so many medical problems. They believe she might have leukemia, could not walk, was in a wheelchair. I mean, you name it, this, this girl had it. What eventually came out fairly quickly was that it was a scam. The big shock to a lot of people was that she was up and walking around. At some point, you decided to kill your mother, is that correct? Yes. TV, Blanchard had been stabbed multiple times in the back. Very brutal, extremely, extremely brutal, and almost a severing of her head. I'm sorry that I lied to you from the beginning. I'll tell you the truth, all true. Breaking news now, two people charged in the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard, including her daughter, Gypsy, and her boyfriend, Nicholas Godijohn. Okay, I'll admit it. I did actually stab her I will admit it. Gypsy manipulated Nick, a low-functioning person with autism. Whose idea was it to kill your mother? Mine. I, I don't think we're ever going to get the full story from either one of them as to what actually went down. So the question is, who's the mastermind? This is what he's going to tell you. Trying to find the first place to put a body. No, sir. The only thing they could do was kill him. You want to say anything? We the jury and to find the defendant. I think you know we live here in a, a generous community, Springfield, that likes to. Uh, Look out for one another. A community that opened its heart to Dee Dee Blanchard and her daughter Gypsy. She had uh, moved here uh, after Hurricane Katrina, had this daughter Gypsy who had all kinds of uh, medical issues. They believe she might have leukemia, um, that she was asthmatic, that she had seizures. She had ear problems, eye problems. She was paralyzed from the waist down could not walk, was in a wheelchair. I mean, you name it, this this girl had it. She captured sort of the heart of the Springfield community early on. They got a house from Habitat for Humanity in Missouri. It's so easy to live here, and it's so peaceful. Um, and I think the headline was something like, Hurricane Katrina survivors, you know, happily settled here in Springfield. It just proves that happy endings are not just in fairy tales, they're real. Gypsy's mother seems so brave in the face of so much adversity. Oh my goodness, what an incredible mother this is to, you know, 
she's on her own here taking on this challenge of raising a, a child with so many medical problems. But then, on a warm summer night in Springfield, just after midnight, the home built for Dee Dee Blanchard and her daughter Gypsy became the scene of a brutal crime. Dee Dee Claudine Blanchard murdered in her bedroom, her daughter Missy, the community in shock. Just total shock when we have this, this mother and daughter who just seems, you know, so happy and good-hearted. Friends had seen a Facebook post on Dee Dee and Gypsy's shared site, that bitch is dead. That Facebook post was seen by uh, friends and neighbors of Claudine. They ended up then contacting the sheriff's office to do a well-being check, and that's ultimately how Claudine's body was found. A gruesome scene. Very brutal, extremely, extremely brutal, and almost a severing of her head. And police found that Gypsy's wheelchair was still in the house, but no sign of Gypsy. And then, okay, well, that that really ramps up the the need to find her because, you know, you're thinking, okay, she's, you know, maybe helpless out there without her mom. And First, they all thought that, you know, somebody had kidnapped Gypsy. The second Facebook message indicated that, that the perpetrator had done something to Gypsy sexually. By tracking the internet data on the Facebook post, police were able to locate a possible suspect almost 500 miles away outside Waukesha, Wisconsin, to the home of a young man by the name of Nicholas Godijan. So they went out and there was actually a standoff between Nicholas and the police for a, for a brief moment. He was brandishing a, um, a knife and waving it around and he didn't want to come out. It wasn't even known yet if Gypsy was still alive, but that if she was, it was still thought that she was possibly a prisoner being held hostage by Mr. Godijan at that point. But when police got inside the Godijan house, they found her, along with a load of cash and disguises and wigs she and Godijan had used. She was there of her own free will. And that's when they first learned not only that, but they're actually in a relationship, boyfriend and girlfriend. This case has taken several disturbing twists since their disappearance. And then this stunning moment. Gypsy standing up on her own. The big shock to a lot of people was that she was up and walking around. The young woman who supposedly needed a house with ramps and specialized facilities was not paralyzed at all. And then doctors at the hospital had another surprise for the good people of Springfield. That's when they learned there was nothing wrong with her. No leukemia, no asthma, no seizures, no paralysis. And I want to start off with saying things are not always as they appear. What eventually came out fairly quickly was that it was a scam. A scam the mother had been pulling off apparently for years as a way to trick sympathetic people and charities out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. The wheelchairs just a prop. And a lot of people were hurt when they discovered that, you know, Gypsy didn't really have any medical problems and that her mom had, had sort of duped everyone into uh, being charitable towards them. But for police, the focus was not the scam, but the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. And her daughter and her boyfriend were brought to the Waukesha Police Department as prime suspects. 
Gypsy acting as if she had not a care in the world as she waited for the detectives from Missouri to arrive. Never asked about her mom. She never asked, why am I here? And then Detective Stan Hancock arrives in Springfield, ready to cut to the chase. Well, Gypsy, um, we are here investigating something, so I do need to talk with you about some things, okay? Um, I'm, I'm thankful because I have no idea why I'm here. Okay. And nobody will tell me anything. Yeah, okay. Uh, your mom's dead, okay? Now, what I want to ask you Wait, well, is... Well, well, your, your, well, mom's, your mom's passed away, okay? And she's deceased, all right? Now, what I want to ask you, did you have involvement in this? Uh, she's like, no, oh my gosh, was it a heart attack? Did she commit suicide? Please tell me she did not commit suicide. She, she had bipolar. All these different things, and she just kind of sticks to this story of I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I know you do. I know you, sweetheart, I know you love your mom. I have no doubt that you love your mom. <laughs> love to dress up as princesses, none more so than Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Gypsy lived a rich fantasy life. That's all she really had. That fantasy life became the key to understanding Gypsy, the key for Detective Stan Hancock to unravel Gypsy's lies about her role in the murder of her mother, Dee Dee. They realized quite early before they even walked into the the room that you know that she was she had her wits about her. She's not a stupid girl by any means. Um, she's in fact she's extremely intelligent. Gypsy's bizarre case was investigated by Fancy Maselli for her podcast, The Good Wife's Guide to True Crime. Now, she's not educated. Uh, her mother didn't, you know, send her to school. You know, Disney movies and books were her education. The Disney fantasy world became Gypsy's escape from a life with a cruel mother who had used and abused her since almost from birth, telling her and the world that she had cancer, leukemia, and an endless list of other ailments. Gypsy did not necessarily know it was a scam. She truly believed she had these conditions. Gypsy has a full denture set. Um, it's it's pretty sad, you know, that she has the, her teeth rotted right out of her head. And a lot of that has to do with the medications that she was given. I can only imagine how awful that would have been to have been trapped in, in a home like that where um, like a prisoner basically her whole life. At one point as a teenager with dyed hair, 
Gypsy's mother locked her in a backyard shed when she learned her daughter was messaging with boys online. Um, in this shed is nothing um, except for a toddler bed. According to Gypsy, she was told that, you know, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, I'll put you in there and you'll never come out again. Gypsy wanted freedom. She didn't want to be under her mom's thumb anymore. It was when the premiere date for the Disney film Cinderella was announced that Gypsy asked a boy she had met on a Christian dating site to come to Springfield, Nicholas Godeja. I invited him to come in March to see Cinderella with me. She was dressed to the nines as Cinderella. Uh, she had the, the big wig on, the, uh, the big huge blue dress on. So she looked like a fairy tale princess and he's kind of dressed like Prince Charming. Unfortunately, it hurt my mom's feelings because I paid more attention to him than her. Okay. And um, anyway, she didn't like him from then on. Somehow, Gypsy convinces her mom she needs to go to the restroom, and so she wheels herself out, and then Nick leaves the um, the theater as well, um, and they meet up in the bathroom, the handicapped bathroom, and that is where they had um, sex for the very first time. How romantic, right? She's never even been kissed by a boy at this point, and her first experience with any type of physical contact with another human is, you know, sex in a, in a bathroom in a movie theater at the premiere of Cinderella. He said that it's us against the world and that he's gonna protect me no matter what and that we were gonna get married and everything and nothing was gonna stop us. So now, after almost two hours of lies, Detective Stan Hancock was finally, slowly, getting the truth out of Gypsy, that it was then after Cinderella that the plan to murder her mother began to take shape. But why did Nick hurt her? Now's the time to be truthful, sweetheart. No more lies. The only reason I can think of is because he wanted me to himself. Okay. Because my mom kept on getting in the way of us being together. Sure, sure she did. She didn't like Nick. She didn't want her little baby girl to grow up. She wanted to keep her little baby girl young, didn't she? The truth of it really began to come out. Detective Hancock did a great job of sort of establishing a rapport with her and not being judgmental, not being aggressive, because those are the types of things that can cause someone to shut down and not provide information. I'm sorry that I lied to you for the beginning. I'll tell you the truth. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love him so much, but maybe you can give me a help now. He killed my mom. She finally said it. He killed my mom. And then Gypsy began to describe how she helped Nicholas sneak into her house late that night handing him a knife she had stolen for him at Walmart. You heard your mom cry. 
heard your mom calling out your name. And then she said, into her bedroom. In shock. And then he took me to my bedroom. And he made me take off all my toys off the bed. So he made you take all your toys off your bed? Okay. he raped me. And he raped you? But Detective Hancock was skeptical taking photos to document what Gypsy said were the bruises she suffered at the hands of Nicholas Godejohn. As babyish as she sounded and often acted, Detective Hancock realized he was talking with a young woman who was a practiced liar. She's calculating, she is manipulative, um, and these are all things that are created by what her mother taught her and did. I'm asking you to direct some straight. Mm -hmm. You don't think he's going to tell me that you had anything to do with your mom's killing? Mm -hmm. This is the time to be honest, just like I told you. Walk out that door. He ended up probably only a big notion of us doing everything together as a team, but I didn't. I didn't want this. I wanted my mom and him to. So did you kill your mom? No, no, sir. Did you help? No, sir. Nicholas kill your mom? No, sir. Did you have knowledge that Nicholas was going to kill your mom yes, before he did it? Yes, sir. She truly believed she was going to get up and walk back out of there. But down the hall, her boyfriend Nicholas Godejohn was about to tell a much different story. I don't think we're ever going to get the full story from either one of them as to what actually went down. Gypsy Rose Blanchard and Nicholas Godejohn, two very challenged people. Gypsy trying to break away from a cruel mother. Absolutely. She was a victim. I mean, all the way through, she is a, she is a victim. Nicholas, socially awkward, but looking for love. We came to learn he did have autism um, in that he was living at home with his parents and was primarily had this entire life and personality that was lived exclusively online. And as they went into hiding after the murder of Gypsy's mother, staying in this motel, waiting for a bus to take them to his home in Wisconsin, the two lovebirds cooked up a plan to avoid getting caught. Mr. Godijan thought he was going to get away with it. Uh, they had planned to mail uh, the murder weapon and a glove from Springfield back to Mr. Godijan's house um, prior to getting on the bus. Before they ultimately left, they had come up with a pre-planned story for uh, what to say should they be caught and asked what happened. Hello. Hello. Do you have a 
It did not take long for Mr. Godijan to abandon the pre-planned story that he just sort of stole Gypsy in the middle of the night. Detective Angela Maholi played on the young man's feelings for Gypsy to get him to implicate her. Can you love her? Oh, do I ever. You I was, love her a lot? I was bummed my eyes out waiting for this moment to where I can talk to you. Okay. Because I was so worried about her. So, do you want to um, do the right thing by Gypsy if you love her? Oh, the truth is I worship her. So I know you There's do. no way, there's no way I wouldn't do it on her. I know. I would thank her. I know you do. I believe you do. But this is the point where you're going to prove whether you do or not, okay? We mean you talk. Okay. Okay? Because... It's not fair, it's not fair to Gypsy for her to be honest and you to, to, you to lie, okay? So what I want to know is, is um, can you tell me this first? Did Gypsy know that you were going to kill her mother? Um, honestly, she asked me to. Okay, so, so Gypsy knew you were going to do it because Gypsy asked you to. Yes. Why did she ask you to do that? Because she felt it was her only way to be with me. And then really from there on, he is very forthright and very detailed in what actually happened. Because, I and mean, then the truth is, okay, I'll admit it. I did actually stab her. I will admit it. Okay. Filling in the grisly details of what happened that night in Dee Dee's bedroom, as he stabbed her. Do you know how many times you stabbed her? Uh, four. You stabbed her four? Yeah, four times. The autopsy of Dee Dee Blanchard would show she was actually stabbed 17 times. Her head nearly severed. And then she called up for Gypsy, but Gypsy didn't do anything. Okay. She hollered for Gypsy? Yes. Did she holler for Gypsy once, twice, five times? Three times. Three times? And what was she saying? Can you tell me how she said it? Um, she pretty much yelped it. Yelped it? Yeah, she's like, Jackson. Okay. Yeah, she was loud. And what did you do when she did that? Uh, it didn't stop me from keep on going. Okay, you just kept stabbing her? Yeah. And then they begin a cleanup uh, procedure where actually he asks Gypsy to clean naked. That was his request because um, that was something that turned him on, cleaning up this murder scene while she's naked. And then uh, she wanted to have sex with me, so I did. Okay, she wanted to have sex with you? Yes. Okay. But down the hall, Gypsy had already told detectives that Nicholas forced himself on her. Did he rape you? And detectives soon recognized that Nicholas Godijan had serious issues. That he had two people inside his head, one good, one evil. The one who actually did all this, the thing is, I originally, the good side of me, originally refused to do it. Okay. And that's the reason why it was instant that it happened right away. Okay. Because my evil side is what actually did it. Okay. An evil side with a name, Victor. So Victor is one of the characters that Nicholas made up. Um, he's his evil side, and he claims that he is a 500-year-old vampire who enjoys killing. 
I have you just got angry. More than one person inside me. There's actually multiple personalities of myself. Have you been diagnosed with that? I probably should be diagnosed with it because it happens. The thing is, I used to take a medication because okay. I used to hear voices in my head. Right. Well, you seem like a pretty honorable person, and you love gypsies, so, I mean. Well, that's the thing. I, uh, I admitted to, the thing is, me and Gypsy have cried multiple times. Together over this? Yes. Okay. And I've told her this will haunt me for the rest of my life because it's the truth they will. Breaking news now, two people charged in the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard, including her daughter Gypsy and her boyfriend Nicholas Godijohn. Both are now in custody. They had solved the case. Both Gypsy and Nicholas were charged with first-degree murder. But would a jury convict a young woman whose mother had so abused her over the years? Would a jury convict a young man on the autism spectrum who thought he was Prince Charming rescuing Cinderella? This is a tragic, tragic event surrounded by mystery and public deception. Gypsy fell through every crack possible. The family was suspicious. They knew things were wrong and they did nothing. Doctors knew things were wrong and they did nothing. As the sad tale of Gypsy Blanchard's childhood abuse became widely known. It is just horrifying to think that this could go on for 23 years. Prosecutors in Missouri had a big decision to make about the two suspects sitting in the Greene County, Missouri jail. You have the person, someone who actually physically carried out the murder that we have to charge. Nicholas Godijan. But then also a co-participant that may have not, in this case, physically wielded the knife. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. But was just as involved in the murder that we also uh, had to charge. But given all that Gypsy had been through at the hands of a cruel and abusive mother, prosecutors feared a jury might have excused what she did. Due to that long-term uh, abuse that she had already suffered, that um, ultimately she ended up pleading to second-degree murder with a 10-year sentence in prison with the possibility of parole in just a few years. But there was no talk of going that easy on Nicholas Godijan, even though a first-degree murder charge was going to be difficult to prove. There was the misconception that what Mr. Godijan did was sort of this act of chivalry, that he did it to save Gypsy from this situation. That was gonna be a challenge to overcome and then um, ultimately overcoming the defense, the fact that Mr. Godijan did have autism. May it please the court. Yes. Outside of Claudine Blanchard's bedroom door stood the defendant, dressed in all black, wearing blue latex gloves, holding a knife. For the defendant, he was in love with Gypsy Blanchard, Claudine's daughter. And as he stood there, the only thing that stood between him being with Gypsy was Claudine. 
The key for the prosecution was to show that Godijan, looking much heavier since his arrest, had the mental capacity to make his own decisions, autism or not. And so it really came down to this, um, this autism that Mr. Godijan had. He had two thoughts, a benevolent thought that he described as an angel on one shoulder that said, just take Gypsy and run, and a malevolent thought, a devil on the other shoulder that said, the bitch is dead. Yes, this was Gypsy's idea, but the defendant on June 10th was ready to kill. And prosecutor Nathan Chapman showed the jury some of the text messages that Nicholas sent to Gypsy. Is your mom a light sleeper? It's my evil side doing it. He won't mess up because he enjoys killing. And these texts show he was enjoying it. He was looking forward to it. He was excited about it. As the prosecutor made the case against him, Nicholas Godijan seemed disengaged, one of the known affects of autism. You could tell just the way that he was just not very socialized, um, just kind of, you know, odd behaviors, just sitting slouching down in his seat and and just uh, you know looking around in sort of a an odd manner in his opening statement go to John's lawyer Andrew Mead portrayed his client as someone easy to manipulate Gypsy knew there was only one way she was going to be able to spend a life with Nick there was only one way to get out from under the grasp of her mother and that was to kill her mother Nick was happy to do whatever Gypsy wanted. He was always compliant. You're going to hear testimony about Nick's autism. He has a low IQ. He suffers cognitive disabilities. And in the end, folks, you're going to understand the dynamics of this case, that Nick wasn't able to formulate the necessary mental state to commit murder in the first degree. But right away, the jury saw the video of Go to John being questioned by Detective Angelo Maholi and admitting to the murder of D.D. Blanchard. Because, I and mean, then the truth is, okay, I'll admit it. I did actually stab her mom. I will admit it. I know. Okay. On cross-examination, Go to John's lawyers tried to suggest Detective Maholi had taken advantage of him. Did you know that he was on the autism spectrum? No, sir. Had you received any kind of information that he was on the autism spectrum? No, sir. Now, this particular interview took place right after midnight. Yes, sir. And he seemed tired of you, is that correct? Um, at times when he would say he was tired, he did appear that he might be tired. Did that cause you to question whether you should continue to question him, given the fact that he was tired and it was after midnight? No, sir. Being tired is not a deal breaker on an interview. But Gota John's case was not helped when the jury saw a jailhouse interview he did with a TV reporter while he awaited trial, when he wasn't tired, and also admitted to the murder, describing his deliberations. The darker part of me was also in love with the darker part of her. And because of it, uh, the thought was, is, uh, excuse my French, but it basically said, this bitch is dead.
Gypsy was called by the defense, not the prosecution. She was to be their star witness, trying to save her prince, starting with a scathing denunciation of her mother. Why were you in a wheelchair in, in June of 2015? Because my mother forced me to be in one. Was there a time between when you first were put in a wheelchair in June of 2015 that you figured out that you really didn't need to be in a wheelchair? Yes. When was that? I always knew that I didn't need the wheelchair. How did you know that? Because I could walk. It was testimony the prosecution knew could be a game changer. We all knew she was somewhat of a, a sympathetic figure at that point. And there was a concern that that would potentially create a situation where uh, a jury may again think that Mr. Godijan did what he did to save Gypsy from these, these awful conditions that she was in fact in. What illnesses did you believe you had? Cancer, muscular dystrophy. I needed glasses. I needed hearing aids, seizure disorder. And I can't remember what else. And when did you figure out that you weren't actually sick? I started to piece things together when I was about 19 years old. Then I didn't understand the full extent of how healthy I was until after I got arrested. Why did you not tell doctors that you knew you could walk or you didn't believe yourself to be ill during the time that you were doing this? I didn't think that anyone would believe me. I thought they would eventually tell my mom and that would make my home life even worse for me. I feared her more than I feared anyone else. And Gypsy testified she paid for everything. Bus fare, motels, even the murder weapon was the knife she stole from Walmart. She also admitted that she, not Godijan, posted the Facebook messages. Why would you make that post claiming to be Nick? I wanted her to be found. I wanted the cops to find her body. Go to John stared intently as his one-time girlfriend did her best to save him. Gosh, it looked like he was looking directly through her. It was, you could tell she was terrified. When you see the pictures of, of Gypsy and Dee Dee together, she just looks like a little child, you know, with oftentimes wearing a little hat. And then when you saw her on the stand in Go to John's murder trial, I mean, she's a woman, uh, definitely a grown up. And then finally, the pivotal question from go to John's lawyer, Dwayne Perry. Whose idea was it to kill your mother? Mine. Why did you want to kill your mother? Because I wanted to be free of her hold on me. And with that, the defense now hoped the jury would see the victim, D.D. Blanchard, as the person who should really be on trial. have never seen facts quite like this. Autism becomes a big factor here. The mental capacity issue is really where this lies. So the question is, who's the mastermind? And it was vital for the defense to show Nicholas Godijan was not the mastermind. That was the role of their final and only second witness, clinical psychologist Kent Franks. Have a seat, okay? 
He has an autism spectrum disorder. His ability to perceive reality is tenuous. He had a psychotic episode when he was 13 years old and hallucinated and talked about hearing seven or eight different kinds of voices. I have you just got angry. More than one person inside of me. There's actually multiple personalities of myself. But it would become a battle of the experts with the prosecution putting its own clinical psychologist on the stand, Dr. Robert Denny. Did you find the defendant to be intellectually impaired? I did not. And then Dr. Denny used the surveillance footage of Gota John and Gypsy to bolster his opinion. Gota John cool when they were told there were not enough seats on the bus they wanted to take back to Wisconsin. What's striking to me is that he did not blow up. He did not react angry or frustrated or um, like, which is what, something that, that, that would be very common with somebody with, with autism. And then the interaction between Gota John and Gypsy. Because you could see where they got in and out of the cab and would walk in and walk the other way. He would hold the door for her. When they walked by on a sidewalk, he was leading, she was following. Um, it, it looked very normal to me. Dr. Denny was the last witness the jury heard, the last word on Nicholas Godijan's mental capacity. There's been another obvious presence here throughout this trial. Prosecutor Nathan Chapman knew it was essential to get the jury's focus off Gypsy and the abuse she suffered at the hands of her mother, the victim. If we're not careful, there can be a tendency to let Gypsy's narrative overshadow what we're really here to decide. Because all along, flying under the radar, coolly, deliberately, was the defendant, Nicholas Godijan. And again, the jury was shown Godijan's text messages as he planned the murder. He's not doing anything different than someone else <coughs> who's planning a murder, taking steps to incapacitate the victim, taking steps in case you're caught to have a story. His mild autism not changes nothing about any of the deliberation that you just saw. There's just no other decision than he is guilty of first degree murder and armed criminal action. Thank you very much, Judge. Yes, sir. Let's get one thing straight. Who wanted Claudine Blanchard dead? Who? Gypsy did. Gypsy wanted Claudine Blanchard dead. She is fully capable of deception because that's how she lived her life. She was trained that way by her own mother. Gypsy manipulated Nick, a low-functioning person with autism. And then Gypsy pressures Nick into committing a homicide against her mother, but he was only trying to help the woman he loved. All along, it was clear that Gota John's lawyer, Duane Perry, had given up on pushing for a not guilty verdict, but instead wanted the jury to find his client guilty of the lesser charge of second degree murder. I believe after all the evidence that you consider, there is reasonable doubt as to his capacity to deliberate for first degree murder. And I believe the appropriate verdict in this case is one of the lesser homicides. Thank you very much for your time. 
facts of the murder of D.D. Blanchard were never in dispute. The 17 stab wounds, the knife Gypsy stole for him to use, and Nicholas Godijan admitting to it on video. Because, I and mean, then the truth is, okay, I'll admit it. I did actually stab him. I will admit it. So the jury was not expected to be out for long. The main decision that they had to make was if he had the capacity, if Mr. Godijan had the capacity to deliberate, then he was guilty of first degree murder. If he did not, then he was guilty of second degree murder. And the difference would mean how long Nicholas Godijan would go to prison. A first degree murder is life without parole. A second degree murder uh, has a minimum of 10 and also can go up to life, but it's not an automatic sentence. It was all hanging on that decision. Godijot had not testified during the trial, but in a sign of optimism, just before the verdict was read, Godijot told the judge he would abide by the jury's decision on sentencing if he was found guilty of second degree murder. And if they find you at the lesser, on count one, you are still asking for jury sentencing, is that correct? Yes, Have there been any threats made to you to get you to waive that right? No, sir. Have there been any promises? No, and with that, Nicholas Gotajan was ready to hear the jury's verdict. Would you pass down the file folders, please? Which narrative had the jury come to believe? Who was the mastermind? Gypsy manipulated Nick, a low-functioning person with autism. Whose idea was it to kill your mother? Mine. His mild autism not changes nothing. As to count one, we, the jury, find the defendant, Nicholas Godijan, guilty of murder in the first degree. We assess and declare the punishment for murder in the first degree at imprisonment for life without the possibility of probation or parole. The autism defense did not work. While Gypsy will be eligible for parole in the next few years, Nicholas will spend the rest of his life behind bars. The bottom line is he still stabbed an individual, regardless of who it was, 17 times. And he, by the evidence in the trial, enjoyed doing that. And, and I believe that justice was very much served in keeping him out of the community um, for as long as we possibly could. I don't think there is justice in this case. I think that everyone is broken and there is not a way to really put the pieces back together. A grim ending to what started as an abused child's longing for a Cinderella fairy tale. It just proves that happy endings are not just in fairy tales, they're real. Not on this day, not in this courtroom.